And so now it's preaching time. Somebody tell Reverend E to preach. I've been waiting for a whole month for part two. <laughs> this is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice to be made glad in it. I was glad when they said it to me, let's come into the house of the Lord. The psalmist also said that everything that has breath got to praise the Lord. So if you breathe in, you should be praising. So does anybody want to give God some praise right quick? I feel the Holy Ghost. Anybody with God some praise right quick? Has God been good to you? Has God been awesome to you? That's actually a rhetorical question because I know God has been good to you. I know God has been awesome to you. So is there anybody in here today who want to give God some praise? He's the King of glory. 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 Lift up your head, O ye gates, and be ye listed, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Now the question is, who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. For the next 15 seconds, I want to give God praise because he's the God that fight my battles. Anybody in here want to give God some praise for fighting every single last of your battle. He's the king of glory. He's the king of glory. He's the king of glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Every time I grab this mic, I'm going to give God some praise. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, he is worthy. He is worthy. In spite of me, he is worthy. In spite of my downfalls, he is worthy. He is worthy to be praised. From the bottom of my soul, he... Hey, y'all, I gotta... Let me not get ahead of myself. Amen, amen. You may be seated in the presence of our God. And so, good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning. By as Reverend Person eloquently uh, said, I go by the name of Reverend E. Uh, I am one of the associate ministers here at Ivy Baptist Church, and it's truly my privilege to be able to uh, to render the word today. Uh, but before we do that, right quick, do we have any first-time visitors? First-time visitors, the first time in Ivy, would you please stand? First-time visitors, first-time visitors. Praise God. Thank you for my brother. Praise God. Thank you, my brother. Praise God, my sister. Amen, amen. We got a lot of visitors today. Amen. Listen, all right, so remain standing because I got to see who y'all are. Remain standing. So it is the custom and the doctrine of this church that any time that we have visitors, that you all come on the stage as a choir and y'all sing Amazing Grace. I don't see y'all moving. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just playing, that's playing. Hey, listen, here at Ivy, because you walk through these doors, you are family. Matter of fact, those who are watching online, if you are first time visitor online, please text at Ivy Guest to 81010. We have somebody there waiting for you to be able to bless you and to be able to reach out to you. But once again, our family inside the building, our visitors, thank you. We bless God for you. We know that it's not by happenstance. It's not by coincidence that you are here today. So we do pray that you get all that you are looking for because the Holy Spirit is here today. Amen. Amen. Come on, family. Let's celebrate our visitors today. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Um, I have two quick announcements. The first announcement, and Reverend Person beat me to the punch. Where you at, Reverend Person? Can you stand up, Reverend Person? Please stand up right quick. 
Listen, our pastor has been on sabbatical for two whole months. Two whole months. That somebody has to stay in his place and be able to lead this ministry and lead this church in his absence. And I was talking to Reverend Person earlier today, and he said that he really didn't call Pastor Swan that much. That all the 95% of the stuff that y'all don't see, that was on that man's plate for the past two months. That's the proper response. Can we celebrate our directors of ministry? The Reverend David Person. Hallelujah. He is truly a gift, not only to the body of Christ, but he is a gift to Ivy. His love, his compassion, his leadership. And so once again, you all, if y'all think pastoring is just preaching, you are sadly mistaken. And so we are definitely excited that Pastor Swan will return next Sunday. Come on, let's give God praise for that. You know, we, we family here, so it's like uh, I haven't seen Pastor since he went on sabbatical, and so I cannot wait to give him and Lady Swan a big hug to welcome them back next week. Amen. Amen. And last, last announcement before we get to the word today, I do want to thank you all uh, for praying for my daughter, uh, praying with us for our daughter. Uh, for my family. Uh, she did have open heart surgery about two weeks ago, and I come with a praise report that she is doing amazing. Hey. She's doing amazing. She's healing. Um, she has a little scar. It ain't little. She has a nice size scar right here. Open heart surgery at one years old. I know Jocelyn don't mind us sharing. There was a moment that when she came out of surgery and she was in the, uh, the PICU that um, she was sedated. Had about 40, 50 wires hanging out of her. But let me tell you how quickly God acts. Because by the end of the night, she was fully awake, crying, bossing us around like usual. The doctor said the surgery went amazing. And so I want to first personally thank you. The greatest gift you can ever give somebody is to pray for them. And I will be lying to y'all if I say that I've been strong enough to pray even for my own family at times. And so the fact that y'all have helped us in that time of need, I'm truly grateful and indebted to y'all. I want to send a special shout out to our, our village. Y'all know who you are. You have taken care of us. You have blessed us. And so I just wanted to give you all that praise report that Emory is doing amazing to the glory of God. God is a healer. Amen. Amen. Y'all ready for the word? Would you please stand as we observe reverence for the reading of God's holy word? Once again, giving honor to the presence of God that we are worshiping in this place, giving honor to my bride and to our oldest daughter who is here today, uh, giving honor to P and to Lady Swan in, the, in their last week of sabbatical. 
the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18. We'll start at verse 9. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 18. We're starting at verse 9. For those who were here last month, this is part two of Amazing Grace. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. When you got to say, let's go. Then Jesus told the story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee. And the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people. Cheaters. Sinners. Adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector because I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. That's it for right now. You may be seated in the presence of our God. As I mentioned earlier, this is Amazing Grace Part 2, but I want to put a tag to this sermon this morning and the title of this sermon is I am a sinner would you tap your neighbor on the left and your right say I am a sinner with your sin itself let's pray so God I need you now please calm my heart please calm my tongue I'm nervous but I know that you will give me the power and the articulation of speech to your glory. Father, I pray that you would not allow my frailty to get in the way. Don't allow my humanity to get in the way of your word going forth with power and with clarity. God, I'm nothing but an instrument. So you can play me in any key you want to hear. I'm nothing but an instrument. You can play me in any tune that needs to be played so that the people can be edified and strengthened by your word. So God, I thank you in this moment for what you're going to do. And I give your name all the honor, glory, and praise. In the name that's above every name we pray. And all those who love the Lord say amen. 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 Amazing grace part two. I am a sinner. As I mentioned before, fourth Sunday in July, I started this two-part series entitled Amazing Grace. And if Bill, you could put the slide up, that there were things that we talked about last fourth Sunday as we began to examine how beautiful, how powerful, how amazing God's grace truly is. If y'all remember from fourth Sunday last month, we talked about the story of the lost coin. This is found in the gospel of Luke chapter 15. 
And in the Gospel of Luke chapter 15, it's called the Lost Chapters because here in this chapter, Jesus is telling three stories of an owner who loses something. And as you remember from last month, the owner in these three stories represents God and the lost item represents us as humanity. The three stories in the gospel of Luke chapter 15, it is the shepherd who lost a sheep, the woman who lost a coin, and the father who lost a son or better known as the prodigal son. But last July, we talked about the woman who lost the coin. The Bible says in the Gospel of Luke chapter 15 that the woman had 10 coins. And then she lost the coin. And then the Bible says in the Gospel of Luke chapter 15 that if that woman loses a coin, will she not light up the house and search carefully for that coin that she lost? And once again, this represents God in us that anytime that we are lost, anytime that we may be in a dark season, I want to thank God just for two seconds. But anytime I'm in a dark season, anytime I feel like I'm lost, that God will light up my world, that God can light up my season, that God can light up my context. And not only that will God light up my season, he will search everywhere for me. I want to thank God today because we serve a omnipresent God. Very fancy word. Let me break it down. We serve an omnipresent God, which means that God is everywhere at all time. So I want to thank God that no matter where I find myself in life, I can be in the mountain. I can be in the valley. I can be in the pits. I can be on the mountaintop. Wherever I am in life, I know that God can find me because God is everywhere I go. That's the amazing grace of God that even in the midst of our darkest seasons, in the midst of our loneliest seasons, that God is not just sitting on the throne doing nothing. He is lighting up the world. He's lighting up your life. He's lighting up your context, searching all over to make sure that he finds you. And the Bible says in Luke 15, when he finds you, not if he finds you, when he finds you, he said that the the woman who, who finds the coin, wouldn't she invite all of her friends to celebrate? Because she found the coin that was missing for all. Y'all know how it is when y'all lose y'all wallet and you want to invite everybody to have a party when you find that thing. That's exactly how the woman was when she found the coin. Wouldn't she invite everybody to have a party because she found that was which was missing? That's the same way God does with us. That anytime a soul is found for the kingdom of God, there's a party in heaven. Anytime that somebody dedicates their life back to God, there is a cookout and a barbecue in glory. The angels are rejoicing. The heavens are rejoicing because somebody gave their life back to God. But then I got to clarify that, Linda, because that's only half the story. Because it then it says in that story of the lost coin, the same way the woman would invite the neighbors to celebrate her finding the coin is the same way the angels have joy when a sinner repents. 
It's not just to commit your life. There's a party in heaven when something is found and it's found when a sinner repents. Which means if found equals sinner repents, then lost must be sinner who doesn't repent or don't feel the need to repent or don't have the conviction to repent. And that brings about the, the sad tragedy this morning that there are those of us who look good today. Y'all look good, smell good, smiling brightest ever, but lost. Anytime we don't repent for the things that we've done wrong, anytime we don't repent for the ways we've fallen short, anytime we don't repent for the ways we don't hit the mark, we are lost. The irony, the tragedy, Eric, is that those of us who are walking to work, going about our lives, cooking dinner, taking care of the kids, thinking that we're found. And the tragedy is we're really lost. Because anytime we disrespect God and we don't seek to repent for that, you are lost. So to, I told y'all last month to bring y'all steel toe shoes. Y'all bring them? I'm seeing, I see a lot of Nikes and Air Force Ones. I don't see no steel toe shoes. Because today, we got to talk about sin. And not only sin, but unrepented sin. See, it's quiet in here because sin is sometimes difficult to preach about. Sin is difficult to learn about. Sin is definitely difficult to, to hear about because it requires a level of introspection on your part. It's easy to come in here Sunday after Sunday and hear about how God's going to fight your battles and how God's going to heal you and how God's going to fight your enemies and how God's going to battle your haters. But it get a little quiet in here where you want to talk about sin. Because sin does not mean what God can do for you. When we have a conversation on sin, it is about what you are doing for God. See how quiet it is, Benita? Sin requires us to look in to how we are living our lives. And us as preachers, I'm a preacher, I'm going to speak for myself. Me as a preacher, I got to preach the entire gospel. A gospel that is preached without sin is an incomplete gospel. It is a dangerous gospel. It is a reckless gospel. Because if I come up here every Sunday and tickle your ears and tell you everything about Jesus, how he's going to make a way and how Jesus is going to heal this and Jesus is going to do this and I don't talk about sin, I have run Delegated Jesus to be a motivational speaker. I'm going to say that again. If I come in here every Sunday and tell you what you want to hear and do not drive any level of accountability, I have turned Jesus into a genie. The devil is a liar because Jesus is a savior. I need a savior. I don't need a genie. I don't need a motivational speaker. I need a savior who can deliver me from my sins. 
divine. So we got to talk about sin today. But let me clarify, uh, Deke, what separates uh, what, what this sermon is about today. Because this sermon ain't about the sin itself. Because we are going to make mistakes. We are going to fall short of the glory of God. What determines if you are lost or found is not that you've sinned. It is not that you made the mistake. It is your response to it. What distinguishes you being lost or fine, what distinguishes the maturity of your faith, what distinguishes if you just play in church or you're really a disciple is not if you make a mistake. It's not if you slip up and hit a cuss word. It's not if you slip up and smoke a blunt. It's not if you slip up and get drunk. It is your response to it. So that's what we're going to learn about today in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, verse 9, Jesus says, he's now telling us a story. About though, in verse 9, it says, about those of us who think of ourselves highly than we should. As they say, those of us who are so heavenly bound, we know earthly good. He wanted to talk to those folk. And then in that conversation is where we learn how to respond to sin and how not to respond to sin. If you're ready for that, say, let's go. So in verse 9, once again, Jesus says that he is now telling a story about those of us who feel like we're so self-righteous, so self-pious that he wanted to set the record straight. And he says that in verse 11, verse 10, that there's two men who came to the altar. One was a Pharisee and the other a despised tax collector. Now, I know we don't use those words in today's language like, hey, y'all see so-and-so, he a Pharisee. No, we don't use that today. Let me give you an explanation or a contemporary explanation of what a Pharisee was. A Pharisee was a teacher of the law, more like a religious scholar. They weren't a preacher, they, were, they, they wasn't a priest, but they knew the word, they taught the word, so that gave them a, a certain level of authority. So in today's context, that would be kind of like the equivalent of a professor of religion at a community college or at HU, somebody who's a doctorate of religion. They know the word, but they ain't really preaching the word, but they know the word. So the Bible says one man comes to the altar, the Pharisee or this religious professor. And then the other man who came to the altar was a despised tax collector. Now, the reason why tax collectors were despised because they were agents of the Roman government in which the people didn't like anyway, and they were collecting the taxes from the poor, and not only would they collect the taxes from the poor, they'll skim a little bit off the top for themselves. So not only are you taking my money, you're going to skim a little top of it for yourself too? 
tax collectors were despised on how they made their money. It was frowned upon how tax collectors made their money. So in essence, if we're talking about in today's context, people who may be frowned upon on how they make their revenue, imagine on one side, we got a religion professor, on another side, we got a drug dealer. Or we got a stripper. Somebody in, in, in which society says how you make your money is probably slightly illegal or we are frowning upon it. Can I preach the word? On one side, we got a religious professor. On the other side, a drug dealer or a stripper. And through these two individuals, Jesus is going to teach us today on how to respond to sin and how not to respond to sin. First thing refers, let's, re, let's talk about how not to respond to sin. In verse 11, Jesus now gives us insight into their prayers. So can you imagine with me two men being at the altar? One right here, one right here, professor of religion, drug dealer right here. And, and now Jesus is saying, let me give you the insight of the prayer of the Pharisee. Verse 11 says, Reverend Person, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. First, I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people. Cheaters, sinners, adulterers. That's not right there. Can you imagine? It's like, like you see somebody here, but you can't, he, he ain't talking, but you can hear it on the, on the mic. God, I thank you. I'm not like other people. Sinners, <laughs> cheaters, adulterers. Let me give you the first not response to sin. Please stop putting yourself on a pedestal because people sin differently than you. Can you imagine the audacity of somebody that would thank God for not being like a, a sinner, not being like a cheater, not being like an adulterer, as if they ain't got no skeletons in their closet. I come to preach to you today. I don't care what you have done. I don't care who you be with. Don't you act like you ain't never sinned in your life. Stop putting yourself on a pedestal. Stop thinking yourself you're a high roller because you try to live your way, your life a certain way. Don't be trying to put yourself higher than others because they sin differently than you. You see how he listed him, right? Normally, we put, we subconsciously put ourselves on this higher pedestal because we're not committing the sins that have the greatest consequences. We're not doing the things that will get us in deep trouble. Yeah, you may not be an adulterer. Yeah, you're not going to be a cheater, but you a gossiper. You be cussing your mind out. You be doing all these things. You be responding to them texts. Stop acting like you don't sin. And 
And here is the reason why young adults and young people may be leaving the church in groves because when they come in here, it be acting like, uh, old folk be acting like we ain't got nothing going on with our lives. Stop acting like you ain't never sinned in your life. Here's the word of the Lord. Your testimony on what God has brought you through could be deliverance for somebody else. Is there anybody in here can testify that I've been through some things? I ain't have everything right, but God has delivered me from my sin. <laughs> Your testimony could be the deliverance for somebody else. Tell them you smoked weed. Tell them you drunk the Hennessy. Tell them you responded to that one in the morning text and how God has brought you through it. And if God did it for me, God can do it for you. Is there anybody in here who can testify that God is a deliverer? He says, y'all be seated. I ain't got to the appetite. I ain't got to the entree yet. He says, I thank you, God. That I'm not like other people. Cheaters. <laughs> sinners. And adulterers. And he messed up, Reverend Person, when he says, I'm not like a sinner. Because now, you're lying. Because the Bible tells me in Roman that all have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. So when you think that you're not like other sinners, you just like them. Then he has the audacity, Jocelyn, to says, I thank you that I'm not like other people cheaters, sinners, and adulterers. But here is where his audacity climbs. Then he says, I'm certainly, certainly not like that tax collector. I'm certainly not like that drug dealer. I'm certainly not like that stripper. Hmm. This is where I wrestle with some of us in the church. Because some of us may have knowledge, either public or private, of somebody else's shortfalls. Either by public knowledge or private knowledge, you may have some wherewithal about somebody else's skeleton in their closet. And because you have that knowledge, it doesn't make you better than them. What it should make you be is an intercessor. I'm tired of people trying to put others down. It's one thing to correct them. It's one thing to help them. But do not think that you are better than anybody else just because you know the skeletons in their closet. Because baby, you better humble yourself because one day one of your skeletons oops, might come out themselves. I don't know who I'm preaching to today, but I'm going to tell you about the gospel of Jesus Christ that you better stop acting like you ain't got no skeletons in your closet. 
your knowledge of somebody else's shortfalls. Because he had to know. He said, thank God I'm not like the tax collector. He had to know about his life. He had to know who he was. He had to know what he'd be doing. Thank God. Like what? Instead of giving yourself some type of self-gratification, instead of trying to affirm yourself by somebody else's wrongs, why don't you pray for them instead of gossiping about them? Why don't you help restore them instead of judging them? First, he says, thank God I ain't like the cheaters, adults, and sinners. Secondly, he says, I'm certainly not like this text collector. But then, verse 12. Verse 12 is not really a response to, to, to sin, but here's a do not do anyway. He says, hey, God, I fast twice a week. And I give you a tenth of my income. Let me give you a do not do right quick. Stop giving God your receipts. Stop telling God all the things that you do for him as if it's supposed to make him move some type on your behalf. Watch this. One of the, and I'll be in the part of transparent, one of the ways that I had to, to improve as a husband, as a friend, as a brother, because if I would do you a solid, you come to ask me for like two pennies, I'm gonna give you that two pennies. Don't ask me for more than two pennies. I'm gonna give you that two pennies though. I don't want it back. I don't need it back, because it's two pennies. But two months later, if you start acting brand new, I'll remind you quickly about the two pennies that I gave you. And y'all laughing, but I had to correct that about me because if I give those two pennies, I'm not giving it to keep a receipt. I should be giving it out the abundance of my heart because God has called me to do it. And it goes in the same way in your relationship with God. Stop telling God how much you didn't tie your $5 to the church. Stop telling God how much you fasted. He sees it all. He knows it all. Stop giving your receipts because it takes the genuineness out of it. Anytime somebody does something for you and they keep a record of it, it's no longer a genuine, heartful act. It's now a transaction. Stop treating spiritual things like transactions. If you're going to fast, fast out of the abundance of your heart. If you're going to tithe, tithe out of the abundance of your heart. If you're going to give, give because you love God. Stop trying to give God your receipts for all the things that you're doing. Stop putting yourself on a pedestal because people sin differently than you. Do not take gratification in others' shortcomings or downfalls. Stop giving people your receipts. The Pharisee says, thank God I'm not like them cheaters, adulterers, sinners. Thank God I ain't like that drug dealer. Thank God I ain't like that stripper. And God, you know I'm good. I fast. You fast for five minutes, you call yourself a faster. 
You give your $2.85 that you got in your car, you call yourself a tither. But God, I gave it to you. I did it, God. But then in verse 13, Tierra is where the conversation of the story shifts. Because then in verse 13, we learn now how to respond to sin through the, the tax collector. Verse 13, Digger Tom says that the Pharisee, I mean, excuse me, the tax collector, the stripper, the drug dealer, they even approached the altar. <laughs> they stood off to a distance. That whatever they were going through could even lift his head. In fact, he would beat his chest and probably with the conviction of the world, he said, have mercy on me, have mercy on me, Lord, for I am a sinner. Let me give y'all three ways on how to respond to sin, how to respond to mistakes. First things first, anytime there is sin, there must, your first response must be conviction. Whew, try it one more time. Anytime you fall short of the glory of God, anytime you miss the mark by your thought, by your action, or by your words, the first immediate response should be conviction. It should be a level of remorse. Because that is the significant sign of your maturity and your development as a believer. It's not saying you'll make the same mistakes. It is saying when I make the mistakes, now that thing stings. Well, how do I know it was stinging that tax collector? Because he was wrapped up in so much conviction. He didn't feel worthy enough to approach the altar. Instead, he stayed off to a far distance, head down. And that conviction must have been beaten up so bad. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am a sinner. That leads to the second part to your response to sin not only so there be conviction you must be transparent before God you must be transparent before God ah, KJ watch this I love it because with the Bible you got to read it slowly because you'll miss something what he did not say is Lord have mercy on me for I have sinned. He said, have mercy on me for I am a sinner. Have mercy on me for I have sinned. Duh. Partial transparency. You saying, okay, God, I'm on the road. Kurt, 
Somebody cut, somebody cut me off. Beep, beep, beep. You better beep, beep, beep. I hope that boop, 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 boop. Oh, God, I feel bad. Forgive me. God. Have mercy with God. I have sinned. That deals with that particular act. What about what you did this morning? What about what you did last night? What about what you going to do later on today? When you say, forgive me, have mercy on me, for I have sinned, that is an act. But it's a deeper level of transparency, Tierra. When you say, forgive me, God, for I am a sinner. <laughs> that there's something in me. That even though I know I shouldn't do it. That's Romans 7, right, Reverend Person? Paul says that the evil that I know that I should not do, somehow I find a way to do it. And the good that I know that I should do, I somehow find a way to not do that. That's the confession of a sinner. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am a sinner. There must be conviction. It was eating him up so bad he couldn't even approach, he didn't feel worthy enough to approach the altar. He was giving reverence to God enough that I don't even want this near you, God. He beat him so bad, he was beating his chest. He, was, he had his head hung low. He says, have mercy on me, Lord, for I am a sinner. But a third thing you must do after a response to sin is then you petition God's mercies. Five hand claps. Because I love it. Once again, you got to read the Bible slow. And I believe that every word is intentional. I read it in like five different versions. None of the versions did the tax collector, the stripper, the drug dealer, ask for God's forgiveness. He petitioned his mercies. Because forgiveness will almost make it seem that you may be entitled to it. Sometimes it's like, okay, I messed up. You should do me a solid, God. Give me the benefit of the doubt, God. You know me. That kind of is what asking for forgiveness is because it's almost like you're almost entitled to it. But then you got to read about the definition of mercy. Because mercy is, I give it to you even though you don't deserve it. So what the prayer was from the sinner, what the prayer was from the tax collector, God, I've done wrong. God, I've messed up. I don't deserve your mercy. I don't deserve your forgiveness. I don't deserve your grace. But if you can find it in your mercy, if you can find it in the compassion of your heart to give me your mercy, I'd be grateful. But here is where we begin to shout. Because the Bible tells me that God gives us new mercies every single day that we serve a God who does not have to recycle his mercies that anytime I wake up in the morning God gives me brand new mercies I didn't do anything right to receive it I didn't do anything right to earn it matter of fact I did everything to forfeit it but God somehow God some way gives me his mercies each and every day 
deserve it, God. I've done wrong, Robin. But here it is. His mercy. Even you don't deserve it, I'll give it to you anyway. So that's how we see sins, the response to sins. What not to do, don't be like the Pharisee. Don't be getting gratification, people's shortfalls. Don't be putting yourself on a pedestal. Don't keep no receipts. Be like the tax collector, I mean, the, the sin of the tax collector. You make sure you have conviction. Make sure you have transparency before God. And make sure you tell him about his mercies. So the question, I'm ready to ride now, Devon. The question now is, well, what all of this got to do about amazing grace? Let me put this down there. What does all of that have to do with amazing grace? Well, let me be transparent before y'all today. The, I read verses 9 through 13 because I didn't want to spoil the cliffhanger. Verse 14 is where we find God's amazing grace. If you can put it on the screen for me, Bill. Because verse 14 says that after a Pharisee and after a sinner came to the altar and said their prayers, the Bible tells me in verse 14 that only one walked away justified. The reason why you ain't tearing this church up because you may not know what the word justified mean. So let me quickly give you a one minute Bible study. Anytime you sin by thought, word, or action, you can imagine yourself breaking the law. And God has the right at that point to judge you for your sin. He could declare you guilty or he could declare you not guilty. But the Bible tells me in verse 14 because the sinner humbled himself. The sinner had conviction. The sinner was transparent. The sinner asked for his mercies. The Bible says in verse 14 he walked away justified. Could you imagine coming to the altar, laying it all on the line, and when you walk away from the altar, you walk away not guilty. You walk away free. You walk away delivered. Is there anybody in here who want to thank God with me? We serve a grateful God. We serve a merciful God. We serve our God with amazing grace. Is there anybody in here who want to thank God with me? Good day, Ivy Baptist. I'm going to check y'all later, but before I go, is there anybody in here who want to testify of God's amazing grace? If you'll humble yourself, confess your sins, have some conviction, petition his mercies, the Bible says you walked away. He 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 walked away. Justified. He walked away. Not guilty. He walked away. Free. He walked away. Delivered. Is there anybody who have a flashback when I think back over my life? When I think back to yesterday. When I think back to 
to last week. When I think back to last month, I did some things that God would not be proud of. But I am a testimony today by, by the mercies, 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 by the mercies of God. God has given a brand new dance. Is there anybody in here who want to celebrate your brand new mercies? Amazing grace. Amazing grace. Amazing grace. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. somebody in here to think back to when you were sinning recklessly to think back when you were sinning like it was going out of style I want to thank God that for every sin God died for it on the cross is there anybody who want to celebrate the mercies Those who humble themselves will be exalted. That's the last sentence in verse 14. Put it on the screen. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. Those who exalt themselves, at some point you will be humble. That's amazing grace. God gives us mercy. God gives us grace. We must have our response to it that we become mature believers. One quick exercise. We're over the time, y'all. I'm so sorry. Everybody be seated. We go out to pray. Meach, come upstairs. Come up, man. We're about to pray. But I want to, I'll be remiss if, if we don't do what the text says. Come up, bro. If you know you've fallen short of it, because of COVID, I don't want everybody up here. But it has to be Transparency. If you know you've fallen short of the glory of God, stand up. God, I pray now. I'm not even worthy, God, to be an intercessor. 
But if you just have me behind the cross so I can intercede for us, God, that we've fallen short of your glory. We come now, God, bringing transparency that, God, we may be sinners. Battling addiction, battling things that we want to get right, but somehow, God, we find a way to do it wrong. God, let this be our confession to you today. Allow this to be our admission to you today so that you, that you can restore us and we can leave this place justified. God, we thank you. We bless you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Remain standing. All youth, if you are in school, please come to the altar. If you are anywhere from kindergarten, 12th grade, going back to college, please come to the altar. Misha's going to pray over us. Yeah, come on down, come on down. Y'all show them some love as they come down. Definitely. Mason, I know you was ready to do wrap-up. If you're over there, you can come on over here, too. We want to make sure. Man, it's amazing. It's a lot of y'all. Yeah, Mason, yeah, you come on over here, man. And even, even outside of them, right, you know, we... Last year was definitely a rough year for our area. Um, and we, we prayed real hard after the fact, but we want to really go to God just as hard before anything happens. Amen. We don't want to wait until something happens and we rally and we throw parades and we pull the cameras out. We want to talk to God on a real note before we even send them back. Listen, y'all are about to go through another year. Listen, enjoy it. But we definitely want to cover y'all the only way that we know how, and that's through God. Um, if there's anybody who works in the schools, work with young people, teachers, principals, administrative, anybody, um, PE, whatever, if you can just stand behind and around them, we want you at the altar as well, because you fight, who you on them front lines as well. Um, we want to pray your safety as well. We just want to thank you for everything that you do for these young people. Just You just stand right behind them and cover them as if you can. And we can make room. We don't want no gaps, no gaps. Just fully y'all covering them. And we have the rest of our church family, which is behind. And I will not be praying by myself. Y'all know God just like me. So we definitely pray that you would extend your hand to these young people and these workers that work with the young people as we go before our Lord and our Savior. Lord, we just thank you. First and foremost, as we've stated over and over again, for everything you are for the grace and the mercy that you've given us, Lord, and for the blessings that you have bestowed on us, Lord. But we just come to you as we get ready to send these young people back to school, Father God. We ask that you just be with every last one of them, Father God, in the only way that you can, Lord. We can't stop certain tragedies from happening. We can't stop things from, from going on in the schools and what people do, but we can send you out there with them, Father God. So I just ask that you cover every single person up here, Father God, even to the leaders that will be out there as well, Father God. Step in, Father God, and protect your children the way only you can, Father God. There's going to be things going on outside of violence, bullying, peer pressure, things of that nature, Father God. I just ask that you go with them, Lord, that you stand with them, even if they don't recognize it, Father God. And we petition you to be with our young people, Father God, as we send them out into the world, Lord, the way you sent us, Father God to be an example for you, Father God. Help them be that, Lord. We all remember how hard it is to be this age, Father God. We all remember, Lord, 
how the world tends to influence us even more than you do, Father God. We remember what it was like, Father God. So we pray covering over all of these bodies up here, Father God, that you would send your mercy and your grace down on these lives, Father God, that you would put a hedge of protection over every last one of them, Father God. Order their steps, even if they haven't fully surrendered to you, Father God, we send you on behalf of our kids, Father God that you go before them into those buildings, into those schools, Father God, that you protect them from any teacher, any predator, any peer pressure, any friend, any, any mind, any thoughts that come to mind, Father God, that will trip them up on this journey that they're going on, Father God. We just ask that you be there, Father God, because we know in your presence is freedom, Father God. In your presence is joy, Father God. In your presence and safety, Father God, despite the storm that may go on around us, Father God, that you can cover every life here, Father. So be with these young people, Father God. Protect their minds, Lord. Protect their hearts, Father God. Help them to be reverent to you, Father God, that they are too sent to be an example, Father God. To be light in the world, Father God, that does not accept you, Father. And I also ask that these leaders that are surrounding them, Father God, that they go out as a light as well, Father God, that the pressures of the job and the expectations of administration don't cloud what they know they're sent to be, Father, that don't disrupt what they know they are called to be for these young people, Father God. Allow these young people to see you through us, Father. Allow these leaders to go boldly stepping up for you, Father God, no matter what it may cost, that they truly be a light out there for these young people, Father God, and keep them safe, Lord. Help them mentally, Father God. The peer pressures, the stress of the mind, Father God, the depression that may fall or may want to fall, Father God, we just ask for you to step in place, Lord. Only you can protect us from what we don't know is coming, Father God. And we just ask that you would break through any chains that are binding that can get in the way of your presence, Father God. Anything that's holding you up, Father God, we pray it down, Lord, that you may do everything you want to do. Throw your weight around in these schools, God. Throw your weight around in these schools, Father God. And any of the young people that are watching online, Father God, we stretch and we pray for them as well. Even the ones that are asleep don't even know. They're getting that covering as well, Father God. They're getting covered and they're getting prayed for as well, Father God. So that way when we come back next year and ain't nothing happened, we know who to give the glory. When these kids come back home and they're safe and they're sound, we know who to give the praise. Because we prayed for it in advance and we know they were covered. If anything happens, God, we know they're coming home. We know they're going to make it. We know they're going to live to see that next year because you were there with them, Father God. We just thank you for your covering. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your grace and, oh, your mercy, Father God. We thank you for your love. We thank you for every life here, Father God, and we continue to pray for them throughout the year, Lord. And we just thank you for what you're going to do in their lives and how you're going to show up. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And again, Mason, y'all can go ahead and be seated. Mason, what you got for us, man? Go ahead and wrap this thing up so we can go ahead and get home. Hi, my name is Mason Jones, and I'm one of the new members at Ivy Baptist Church here with the wrap-up. <laughs> here with the wrap-up and announcements for today. So something, so something that was really interesting to me is about how we only 
not only do we have to talk about other people, but mostly we have to talk about the sins that we've done because this connects with me, with me and my sister, because sometimes I'll talk about the stuff that she has done, but mostly have to talk about the stuff that I've done, like being slow in the morning or just like not paying attention to details. So this really helps and I'll try to do better with that. And now for our announcements. On Tuesday, August 30th, Centera Mobile Care, they will have a, med a medical and uninsured community members. <laughs> Next slide. Pick up school supplies for after service. Power hour from 7.30 a.m. to 8.30 p.m. in the chapel at Ivy. First and third Saturday in September. Registration required Ivy's website, $5 each session. with Priscilla Shearer simulcast on Saturday, September 21st, 2021, 2022, at, from 9 a.m. Uh, to 3.45 p.m. on-site at Ivy. Register today. Our church anniversary Zoom meeting will be held on Wednesday, August 31st at 6.30 p.m. The meeting ID is 757-244-5006. And our, lastly, our overnight camping trip, arts and crafts, breakout sessions, rec center, tubing, campfire s'mores, and swimming pool. The date is September 9th and 10th. And always remember that love is the key. Yeah, Mason. Hey, Mason, I love that Dragon Ball Z shirt, bro. Amen, amen. As a quick clarification, for all those who want to pick up school supplies, you can go out this door to your rear or this exit right here that's beside the wrap-up station. And so that's where, that's where you can go if you need uh, the uh, school supplies. All right, let's say goodbye to our online audience. Goodbye. Love y'all. Pray y'all have a blessed week. All of us, rest of us, stand, please. Let's stand.